Okay, Mom, I think everything's out of the attic now. Whew, I, I cannot believe all the boxes that you've accumulated over all the years for Christmas decorations. I know, I know. It's amazing how they continue to come up with more Christmas symbols to put inside and outside of the house each year. Oh, here it is. Hey, what, what, what's that box? The nativity scene. Oh. And I have my special place for it right here. Honey, go get the kids and they can help me set it up. What? The kids. Where are the kids? They can help me set up the nativity scene. This will be fun. Uh. Um, they're in the kitchen eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and cocoa. Um, just, just a minute. Well, where are the kids? Are you going to go get them or do you want me to? No, no, I'll, I'll get them. Uh, it's just funny to me that you want their help. Why is that funny? Because I want to create a special memory for my grandkids? Uh, it's funny to me because you never let me help you set up that nativity scene. Well, that was different. Uh, how? You, you always seem to get stuff all over the baby Jesus. What? I mean, your hands were always messy, so you always got the baby Jesus sticky. Once, Mom. I got the baby Jesus sticky once. You remember that? Uh, remember that? It's etched in my head. You yelled and threw a fruitcake at me. I was just trying to protect the baby Jesus. You threw a fruitcake at me, Mom. Well, you had just gotten through eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and there you were with your grubby little paws getting jelly all over the baby Jesus. You got the camel covered in peanut butter. I didn't figure that out till six years later. You threw a fruitcake at me. I hate fruitcake. <laughs> I'm just as scared of them. Uh, where, where, where is that camel anyway? I, I don't see the camel, Mom. Where's the camel? Uh, we don't talk about the camel anymore. The camel's in a better place. So are you going to go get the kids or shall I? Uh, what I want to know here, Mom, is, is how are you going to take something that's a nightmare of a memory for me and, and use the same thing to create a special memory for my children? How are you going to do that? Look, Michael, I'm sorry if I emotionally scarred you. Oh, you did more than that. You, you see this right here? I'm the only guy I know with a fruitcake etched on the side of my head. You see that scar? You see that? Just stop it. Mom, I was a little kid. Kids get sticky and messy. It's part of life. Jesus is the focal point of the nativity. Well, heck, he's the reason for the whole blooming season. So if you think for one minute that it's okay for you to touch him and get your messy mess all over him, you better think again, mister. Jesus did not come down here to get messy. Do you hear yourself, Mom? Uh, I guess that's not great theology, huh? No. You know, it, it's funny when you think about it because Jesus did come here to get messy. We're the ones trying to decorate them all up. You know, I, I spent half of my life trying not to get things messy. You know, people feel put upon. They're, they're especially, they, they don't want to burden God in some weird way. I guess I deserve a fruitcake thrown at me right now. I'm sorry. I get it. Grandma, can I help you decorate? Is that baby Jesus? Oh, wait, let's get you cleaned up. 
Yep, that's the baby Jesus. Here, you can go ahead and touch him. Son, will you lend us a hand? The camels will be up to their necks in peanut butter. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Mom. Well, let's see, what do, we, what do we have here? Oh, looks like we got a wise man. He got the baby Jesus. Hey, hey, hey son, uh, how is the baby Jesus doing there? Kind of sticky, Dad. Should I make him clean? No. No, that's what he did for us. He can handle it. Let, let, let's see. You know what? Let's put the, the nativity scene right here. H hand me that, would you? That's it. We're in a series entitled, The Best Christmas Ever. What makes this the best Christmas ever? Is it keeping baby Jesus clean? And what goes along with that is that as long as things are going well in life, and it's been a good year, and a great 12 months, and you're going into it, life is good, and things are going well, and then you get to Christmas and you have a great Christmas. Is that what makes a good Christmas? Making sure that Jesus stays clean? Or is it more realistic to think about the rest of us that life isn't quite so clean? And we've had a year, maybe that's been filled with challenges and struggles, highs, lows. And we get to the Christmas season and say, it's here already? Am I ready for it? Because it seems like it's kind of sticky. It's kind of dirty. And I wonder what it is for you. I wonder how you're going into Christmas this year. Are you going to, uh, into this Christmas season on a high? Just kind of okay? Or is this a challenging Christmas? I wonder how it is for you. And what would make it? Just Would you ponder that for just a moment? What would make this the best Christmas ever. You know, life is kind of funny because we go along a little bit like if you've ever seen a heart monitor, if you've gone to a hospital and seen a heart monitor, you know, it goes along and then what happens? Beep. You know, and then goes along. Beep. Get the point? You know, life is kind of that way. Think about this last year. You remember every time it goes, beep. Was that a vacation? Was that a baby born? Is that getting a new house? What was that for you? But the rest of the time, it seems like it's kind of like this, isn't it? That life is kind of like ordinary and we're just kind of going along in life. And I mean, I bet you can't remember the majority of what happened this year. Unless it's a beep. But that's a good thing. What happens when it goes beep this way? You remember those too. Those are bad. And we remember the highs and we remember the lows. I was going to visit a friend a couple of years back. She was in the hospital and she was waiting for a pacemaker. And when you go into the hospital and you just can't help. I mean, you're just, you, my eyes are just drawn. Maybe just the technology. I just love seeing all that stuff. And I was watching her heart meter, her, you know, the monitor. And it was going beep, beep. I said, what are you here for? Beep, pacemaker, beep. She flatlined. I mean, right in front of her, she flatlined. And I said, is that thing going to start again? She said, I hope so. <laughs> and sure enough, beep, started again. Beep. And we were going along, right? 
Well, I kid you not. She's going along, and then all of a sudden it went beep, and we flatlined and flatlined. And I'm getting a little nervous. I mean, half a second went by. She's still, I said, what happens if it doesn't start? She said, Ed, it's going to be a very short visit with you. <laughs> Isn't that like life? And you know, it's, I don't know what it is like for you, but when you have kids around, Christmas is interesting because Christmas goes beep like this. Because the kids are so excited, they can't wait, the anticipation kills them. They can't wait because they know for them Christmas is beep. But what happens? Why is it that as time goes on, for you and I, it starts to go beep, beep, beep. And I wonder for a lot of you, it's just like Christmas just will come and go. Some of you want to get all your Christmas shopping done early so that you can just maybe enjoy this time. Others are just in the chaos of the season and you'll rest and go, it's finally here. Oh good, let's enjoy it. Quick, enjoy it. And then it'll be over. And some of you are saying, I can't wait till it's over. What's Christmas going to be like for you? Well, if we go back a couple thousand years, it was an amazing time for an amazing woman. Luke chapter 1, find verse 26. We're going to go through this and look at just a few highlighted things. In the sixth month, Luke 1, 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are what? Highly favored. The Lord is with you. Highly favored. Just think about that for a moment. Highly favored. What does that mean? You know, I kind of pondered through this, and it's like this big funnel. And Mary got so much favor from God. Think of it this way. She's the only woman, past, present, or future, that gave birth to God. When God became flesh and dwelt among us, she's the only woman in all of time who had the favor, that kind of favor on God to be chosen to be that funnel. And so all of this incredible grace that Mary got, and she was highly favored. And I'm sure for her that day was kind of interesting as she pondered it. And my guess would be that particular day was the highest of highs as she looks back and said, that was an amazing day when God said that, when the angel said that to me. But highly favored. I wonder if Mary was feeling highly favored when she went to Joseph and said, Joseph, an angel came to me. And let me tell you what the angel said. Was Joseph excited about this news? He quietly said, I'm going to divorce her because she went and got herself pregnant. Can you imagine going to her mom and dad? Hey, mom and dad, God got me pregnant. Yeah, right, Mary. Sure. I mean, just picture yourself in that conversation. Who was it, Mary? Come on, Mary, fess up. And she's sticking to her story, and you just know that she's just not telling the truth. Okay, gals, how would you like to be nine months pregnant and have to get on a donkey because God said you're going to deliver in Bethlehem? So you got to go 
100 miles on the back of a donkey to get to Bethlehem. You get to Bethlehem and there's no room for you even though God's in your womb. Are you feeling highly favored yet? And he says, well, you can have the barn. So she goes and has a baby in the barn and puts Jesus in a feeding trough. Are you feeling highly favored? Then the Magi come. That's kind of a cool thing. That was one of those beep, huge things. But then all of a sudden they have to run. God says, get up to Joseph. Get up, take your wife and baby and get out of here. Go to Egypt. So they have to run away to Egypt. Feeling highly favored? They come back. They're scared to come back because the governor wanted to kill Jesus. So now they have to go up to Nazareth. And so they go back there. Now how about this one? Can you imagine the pressure of raising God? Just think about that. Did he ever need a little bit of correction? Did, was he ever a little sarcastic to his brothers and sisters? His brothers and sisters reject him? And Mary's living with this? And then Mary goes to the cross and watches Jesus get crucified. Are you feeling highly favored, Mary? It's kind of an interesting thing, isn't it? Wouldn't you think highly favored from God would mean clean Jesus, clean life, good, awesome, amazing? Doesn't necessarily. Sometimes it means a lot of heartache, but still being highly favored. And as you think about your life and maybe what has transpired over this past year in your life, has it been filled with more of these? Or more of these? Or maybe just, are you feeling like it's just been kind of a flat line year? And what is it going to take to make it the best Christmas ever? Let's go on. Verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found, what's the word? Favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, which means Savior. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. God foretold already and told Mary that your child will be the king. His kingdom will reign forever. But then when she watched Jesus being crucified... All of this had to come back. And not understanding. Did she miss something? What about what God said? Did she really understand it? Verse 34. Mary just asked a simple question. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I want you to ponder this one. Nothing is impossible with God. And I imagine if we could sit down and chat, some of you would say, wow, that's an amazing verse because I have seen do some of the most 
I've seen God do amazing things in my life. Nothing's impossible with God. God has come through in the most incredible ways. And you can testify about God's being almighty, that he did this in your life. And you can look back in life and say, there's amazing how many times God did this and this and this. But I think if I sat down with others, you'd say, God's almighty? Really? I've never seen it. It's just been kind of like this. Nothing's impossible. You know, I've asked God for all kinds of things and none of it's ever happened. I haven't seen God do anything impossible in my life. And then there would be some of you that I would say, how do you see that verse? Nothing's impossible. You say, nothing's impossible. I prayed that God would heal somebody and they died. Nothing's impossible. I didn't see it. I saw God do the opposite. Sometimes in life, we hit these negatives even though we've been praying for the impossible. I wonder how many people are feeling who are unemployed that God is amazing and can do all things. Or are they experiencing, how come it was me who lost my job? How come it was me who lost my home? Nothing's impossible with God. You know, when I lived in Guatemala and I had a front-line view of this, and you begin to see half of all the kids that we were working with died by age five. Half. Begging God, God, please help us intervene. We have to do something. Half of all of these kids are dying. We weren't seeing the impossible. We were seeing kids dying. My first funeral friends, my first funeral ever, I buried a one-year-old girl on her birthday. And that sears an image you'll never forget. We see kids dying around the world with AIDS. We see parents dying with AIDS. We see things going on all around the world, starvation. And we say, nothing is impossible with God? Well, why, why isn't God doing these? And I don't think any of us can answer it. God says nothing is impossible. But what we don't understand is why sometimes does God not intervene? We can't answer that. But if we want to have the best Christmas ever, I think it comes in the following verse, which so often we forget the following verse. We gloss over it and don't see the significance of it. Verse 38, read it with me. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Take out the narration and read it again with me. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Do you know there's the answer for the best Christmas ever that you could ever have? You and I are the Lord's servants. When we enter into a relationship with God and we surrender ourselves to God, 
It is now up to God to do what God wants to do. And it's not up to us. It's up to God. And when we hit one of these downers, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. God predetermined it. God knew that was going to happen. God knew that was going to be a downer. And God's still God. And God can still do the impossible. If God chooses not to do the impossible, we say as Mary did, I'm still the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And I think sometimes in life we keep praying for the this. God, I'll know you're real when you keep doing this. And then that's not enough. Do it again, God. Do it again, God. Do it again, God. But you know, it's the best Christmas ever when even when this happens, we can honestly say, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as, as you have said. And then, friends, whether it's this or this or this, the fact that a child came into this world whose very name means Savior means that you and I are saved because of what He did. And it doesn't matter if your life represents this or this or this. It's a great Christmas when you and I can honestly, heartfelt say, just like Mary, say it with me. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And that was Mary's prayer. And that prayer carried Mary that even when Mary saw the crucifixion and the resurrection and Jesus left and went to heaven, she could honestly look at God and say, may it be to me as you have said, I am the Lord's servant. And all of God's people said, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we're going into an interesting Christmas time this year. As we look back over the economy and all the things that have transpired over the last 15 months or so, there's been a lot of challenge and a lot of heartache and a lot of struggle. Lord, there will be a lot of businesses that go under. There's going to be a lot of livelihoods that are affected. Father, there's all kinds of things, good, great things that have happened. Children being born, grandchildren being born, and there's been some heartache with a lot of families too. Father, no matter what goes on in our life, May we never lose sight that you came into this world because you loved us. And you gave up your life so that we might have eternal life. And that's the highest good that we could ever receive. And may we focus on that and thank and praise you for who you are, that you loved us and cared about us that much. And whatever happens in our life, may we say as Mary, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And all of God's people said, Amen.